Music can shift your mind individually, but also the energy of an entire stadium. I can't wait for you to listen to this week's episode with Rudy Rudolph, the music guy for the Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Wild, and the Minnesota Golden Gopher football team. Keep listening. This is Energy Now, a podcast to charge up your leadership in life so you can own your power at work and at home. I'm your host, Kristen, a former corporate leader who worked with some of the biggest brands on the planet, turned best-selling author, energy mastery expert, work-life futurist, widowed mom, and worldwide speaker. I'm here to give you fast and fun ideas to instantly spark up your mood, magnetism, and mindset. Join me as we charge up your energy now. This is going to be such a fun episode because we talk with Steve Rudy Rudolph, who is the music guy for some professional and college sports teams. Now, when you think about it, if you've ever been to a professional sporting event, the music can absolutely impact the energy of the crowd. But Rudy also has some really interesting perspectives on music and how it impacts us individually. So I'm excited for you to listen to this episode and hear all of these fascinating insights in the direction that our conversation takes. Because not only is he the music guy and providing soundtracks to sporting events like the University of Minnesota baseball team in his early career, but for two decades, he's been working with pretty much every local professional sports team and major event, like the Final Four, and like I mentioned, the Minnesota Vikings football games, Minnesota Wild NHL hockey games, and the University of Minnesota Golden Gopher football games. He is also the Director of Communications for the University of Minnesota School of Nursing. And it came out during our conversations that we share some pretty interesting perspectives on meditation and mindfulness, both in the workplace and personally as well. So I cannot wait for you to listen. Enjoy. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links that we talk about, especially some of our favorite music and sports moments. And we will see you soon. Steve, Rudy Rudolph, how are you? And thank you for being here. I'm wonderful, Kristen. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, you have quite the background in doing music for really cool sports teams. And that is how I came to find out about you because I was interviewing someone on the Minnesota Vikings, Tammy, who's on another episode of the podcast, and your name came up and I was like, I got to talk to this guy because the way that you use music to shift energy, change energy, build energy, reduce energy in giant crowds was so fascinating to me because I often talk about music and energy on stage when I'm speaking. So I'm so excited to have you here just to talk a little bit more about that, how you approach it. And then just, I know from just talking to you before I push record, you're a cool guy. So you're going to have some cool (laughs) stories for us too. (laughs) So tell us how you got started doing music for sports teams and what that really entails if people don't really get what I'm talking about. Sure. I start my first uh, sporting event that I did music for was back in, boy, I think it was 1993 at the Metrodome uh, for the University of Minnesota Golden Gopher baseball team. And the uh, athletic department, I had some friends in the athletic department, and they knew that I was doing some karaoke hosting and DJing on the side. Uh, and I had been involved with the athletic department and knew a lot of folks. And they said, hey, would you have any interest in playing music at, at the baseball uh, games? And I said, you know, I've always paid attention to music at sports. And I can think of the 1987 World Series and being a fan there and knowing the certain songs that they would play at certain times. And I thought, well, this is just, this is one of those once in a lifetime opportunities and if I, uh, if I don't take it, I can never criticize the music choices. Uh, so, so I did it, and 
it's kind of like the mob. Once you get in, you can't get out. I'm still doing it 20, whatever it is, years later, 26 years, seven years later. And but, who do you do music for today? Right now, I, uh, I do the music at Gopher football games, Vikings games, and the Minnesota Wild. But I have worked for over the years. Let's see, I did, the, I did a couple of years with the Twins in the late 90s. Uh, I worked with the lacrosse, the Minnesota Swarm when they were here. I also worked with Tammy uh, back at that time. Uh, and other, let's see, well, I've done the Final Four, and I'll be doing NCAA wrestling. And there's, you know, a few other little minor league teams here and there. So pretty much, I, I think I've done about every sport and every team, with the exception of I haven't done anything with the, uh, with the Timberwolves or yeah. So do you want to? Cause I'm consulting oh. with them right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my hands more than full. I bet. Yeah, yes. So knowing how integrated and how pivotal you've been in you know, a lot of these different teams, you must have great energy yourself. So what kind of energy, if, if people were to describe the energy you bring to a room, what one word do you think people would use to describe your energy? You know, that's a great question. And since you, you had invited me in the podcast, I've been thinking about this a lot, knowing it was the topic and asked a lot of folks. And, uh, and the word that came up a couple of times and that fit. And, it's, and it, to me, it's almost the opposite of what you would expect for what I do. But calming is one word that came out. And it seems odd that if, you know, someone whose job is to try to hype up the crowd or do, you know, or, or work into a frenzy at times, brings has a calming energy but then the more that it got me thinking about it i think a lot of to do my job well i have to temper my own energy down to be able to 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 read the room and work the situation and and not let my energy not get caught into fandom and realize that i still have a job to do and there are rules that i have to abide by and uh and all that so it, it yeah it's been kind of an interesting dichotomy in the sense is that that the energy I bring is is calming but yet it allows me to rev things up yeah I think that makes perfect sense when you explain it that way and you know it's funny because as a motivational speaker people assume that I'm a huge extrovert and you know that I'm you know revving people up all the time but I'm actually an extreme introvert so I think having those, like you said, dichotomy of energies and ability to use what you need in the moment, I think is a really powerful trait for people. So I, I love calming. It's, that's a, something that people need in today's well, world too, with the craziness going on around us. And when I think, I started thinking about it more and whether it's I'm doing a presentation for, for my main work or uh, playing a sporting event or doing things like that, I often find that what I do prior to needing to be on is to try to take that moment or get that little routine or, or clear my head, or, you know, give myself that little checklist. It usually is much more of a calming activity that I'm engaged in rather than that, you know, listen to the music, get myself fired up and, you know, jump around and get out there. So I think to each our own. Yeah, I completely agree. Is there any way that you use that with your team that you, how do you encourage them to find a calm moment if they have to go into a clutch situation or, cause you do have a day job too. Yes. And, and it, feel free to talk about that. Sure. No, I am uh, in by day. I, uh, I work as the director of strategic communications uh, here at the university of Minnesota school of nursing and been here about a year and a half. And before coming here was the chief storyteller at the Carlson school for uh, eight plus years. And 
uh, and then have a background in public relations working for some agencies. Um, but, you know, I have not had a lot of discussions with, with my team members about kind of energies and things like that. But I, I have said, I have been thinking so much more about this topic in the last couple of weeks since we first connected. And so I definitely explore that uh, and, and think I probably will. Yeah, it's really important because I think people, you know, whether it's personality type, like I just mentioned with introversion, extroversion, or whether you're talking about, you know, how do you bring different energies in the moment and you're, you have that calming energy, everyone has different ways of using that energy at different moments, whether they're going into a big meeting, whether they're going to a football game, whether they're, you know, and then, yep. and you have to tap into what you need at the moment oh. to show up as your best. So, it, and it only makes sense because I think, you know, when I think about team members of mine and, and everyone can be motivated differently and everyone has different ways that they like to work. And I think the best, the best managers, the best leaders are those who figure out, the strengths and how best to work with individuals and then work with them that way and don't take the, this is how I roll approach, um, you know, adapt to it. So. Yeah. I love that. You do have to personalize. It's totally yes. true. So talking about personalization, you know, yes. we are talking about music a little bit here today, music and energy. When you think about transitioning, so you have your day job and you have people you're mm -hmm. interacting with, then you have to go shift and go to a sporting event where the energy there is crazy, depending on who's scoring, who's winning. Is mm -hmm. it a, you know, is it a, a tense game? Is it a rivalry? Is it a Packers Vikings game? Yeah. Is it a playoff game? How, talk to me a little bit about how you go into a game. How do you prepare before the game to say, okay, what do I need to do for myself going into this game so that I can serve that crowd, so I can serve the team, knowing that there are two different fan bases in the room. Give me some ways that you prepare yourself. Sure. I, I think a lot of it, and I'll get, I'll start maybe when I'm right before a game, uh, and we can back up if we want to sort of before that. Uh, I think right before a game, preparation really is everything for me. Uh, I, you know, we have scripts, formats that we're following through that, Everything from the pregame, uh, all of the pregame festivities to, you know, promotional items, things like that. And, and I'm going through, I'm marking my script. I'm getting my computer, the program that I use, getting my clips queued up to the best that I can. Um, knowing that so much of what we do is scripted, but yet the game is not. And, and then there's that other element. So I think I, one of the first things I try to do is make sure that I've got all the easy stuff or the things that I know they're going to happen prepared and set so that I'm, I can take my mind off of that. And then it really comes into reading when we get to that crowd. I mean, I may come in with a few things that I know I'm always going to do. The Vikings game, there's certain things, certain songs that are just, you know, staples that we do for situations. Um, jock jams, but, jock jams, well, 99. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like to think we've moved beyond some of that, but yeah, at the same time, I mean, there, there probably is not a song that gets a better reaction at, at U.S. Bank Stadium for Vikings game than Welcome to the Jungle here all these years later. I, I wish there was more like great new sort of arena rock that, that had that same energy. Um, every, I'd say maybe one or two great songs a year that fit that category that we used to get all the time come out nowadays. I love it. So as you're preparing then you're in the game. You've got all the easy stuff done. You've got your clips prepared. You've got your computer program all ready to go so you can push the buttons that you need to push. 
but then the game starts. And like you said, it's unscripted and -hmm. you have to really be managing your own response to the crowd's energy. And I think a lot of people forget that energy is contagious. You know, one person yawns, the person next to you yawns. Mm -hmm. And obviously in a, in a sporting event, there's, it's not never more obvious than there that energy is contagious. So how do you stay on top of what's happening? You know, because it's a huge space that you're looking at and there's thousands and thousands of people. How can you keep your finger on the pulse of that while still kind of being involved in what you need to do and being able, you're pushing the right buttons? Sure. A couple different ways I'll tackle that. One is, I mean, I think you're, you're right. You feel the energy in a room and it builds and you know, I, I think the Vikings pregame and with the, the, just the video and then the team running up on the field and then, the, you know, we lead to the Gallarhorn before kickoff. I mean, everything around that is just building up to this crescendo. Uh, and, and then we're at this level and from the start of an NFL game, I mean, it's just, it's 100%. And the first couple plays of an NFL game can have the same energy and intensity, I think, as the final seconds of a game that's going right down to the wire. To me, that is the only pro sport that sport that I've seen that can have an energy that is sustained from almost moment one to the, to the final horn. Um, baseball, you know, we're years of baseball. You can have the most exciting first inning of the, you know, imaginable, and it will not have the same intensity as perhaps being, you know, down a run in the ninth inning against the Yankees or something where they're, you know, uh, it's just baseball has a slower build to it. Mm. Hockey in a playoff atmosphere at the start can really come for it, but it doesn't tend to seem that it, it always tends to ratchet up as the game goes on. And so a little bit of what I have to do is know that, know that flow of a game or what's, what's possible. And, and if it's, you know, if it's a hockey game, I want to come out and have energy from the start, but I'm going to have to keep a lot of energy in my back pocket for later. Uh, and because I've always got to have that one more notch up, you don't have that quite as much in, in football. So, um, and then getting back to, you know, just, I think so much of what my time during the game is spent watching the game, you know, but processing what are the likely things that are going to be happen if we, you know, if we, okay, we're really buzzing right now here at, in a hockey game in the offensive zone, the next whistle is probably going to be, uh, a face-off down in their zone. So I'm going to want to come up with something high intensity. Or, you know, we're back on our heels a little bit or this game's kind of flowing here. Maybe I can just throw a standard song in there because no matter what I play, it's not going to get much of a reaction. So you're you're sort of almost constantly processing, processing through what's happening on there, how is the crowd reacting to it, and then what should I give the crowd to either, you know, bump up, maintain, or, you know, elicit a reaction. Yeah. What happens when, cause you know, there's a lot of times where you're down, the team's down and they're, it's going to be a long shot for them to win the game and people are starting to leave, you know, they're, it's like, okay, well this game's over. How do you get them reengaged or keep the crowd that's still there having a great experience? Because a lot of times, you know, people are, they go to one game in their lifetime and that might be the game that they're at. And so you want to give them that awesome experience. They might be bringing their kids for the first time and you want to create memories and, and, you know, keep it awesome for them the whole time. Is there a way that you try to keep people engaged or bring them back or 
keep their energy flowing when it's one of those kind of bummer situations? It's probably the most difficult aspect of this, of this job and all of game operations is because if, you know, there's only so much we can do if the product on the ice, on the field, isn't getting the fans, uh, you know, engaged and, and energized. Um, I think I, I, one analogy that somebody in sports made to me about 20 years ago, it said like, you know, we're, we're more the, uh, we're more the sauce or the, uh, the bananas or the mushrooms to the, to the steak. Uh, if the steak's not good, it doesn't matter what you put on it. Uh, it's not going to get, you know, it's not going to be that much better. Um, so I think that's one way to look at it. There are a lot of times when the team is down, um, but you, you know, I think once again, I'm reading it and you're trying to say, okay, are we still in this game? Is there still, is there still a realistic, um, chance that, that we can get back in here? And as long as it's there, we're going to keep that pedal down, not beat people over the heads like it, you know, we're on the power play sort of situation all the time, but we're going to keep that energy up, keep that, that floor at a higher level in the hopes that something sparks on the field that gets the crowd back in it. And then we can explode and, and maybe have that miraculous comeback. If, if they are too far down, I mean, we're not going to start going, you know, into funeral dirges or anything, (laughs) but we, you know, you do, you do have to sort of back off and respect that, um, that it just feels, it it feels off putting, I think, to the fan experience. If you were, you know, if you're hammering um, this high energy, powerful you know, rock, you know, whatever it might be, and it's, you know, completely out of the game and the fans have left and it's empty. It's just, it, that's not a good experience for anyone. So you, you do have to kind of kind of read that. And, and to go back to one thing you'd said in, in the question too, is, which is a wonderful framework for everything that we do in sports, we have to take, treat every game like the one, and this is the first time somebody's coming to a game and maybe the only time somebody's coming to a game. And, and that does um, perhaps dictate why we might do the things that we do um, because not every person's coming to every single game. Yeah, I love that. You don't want to hold anything back. And there's never a game you can just, you can't just throw one away uh, and say, well, we, we have 40 of these. Or we have, you know, eight home games of the Vikings and we'll just kind of phone this one in. Well, for a lot of fans, that's the only game they're going to ever go and remember. And, and you don't want to have a, you know, a lesser experience for them if yeah. the, the game on the field isn't the greatest. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, now, as you're doing all of this for everyone else, you're also a fan of the teams, yes. right? So Die hard. How do you <laughs> manage to, if a team's down or up, how do you keep yourself from letting your personal love of a certain team winning or whatever impact what you're trying to do in your job? Um, it's not easy sometimes. Um, it, you know, I, we can be up in the press box and in our booth and getting as mad as, as the fans out there and, uh, um, at, at something or conversely is, is absolutely excited. But I, I guess you just are so, this is the, the world that we're in is that, you know, I remember the Minneapolis miracle, um, and, and watching that unfold and, uh. <laughs> and and quickly like jumping up in the air um you know as Diggs is breaking free but just i'm just i guess conditioned to instantaneous react and go oh wait i gotta go play the touchdown song you know it was so you break out of that immediately because you know that everything that happens triggers something that you have to do and i guess it just maybe comes from 
so much repetition and experience that, um, you know, when, when the team scores a goal, the horn sounds, and then I hit the goal song, um, you know, the Viking horn, those things just, they just, they have to play. I can't get caught up in, in a moment because I'm required to do something. Yeah. That Minneapolis miracle. Oh my gosh. I was, my daughter was in the kitchen during that game and I was in the living room. She could see me and I was sitting on the couch, you know, all down and depressed and the catch happened. And I literally sprung off the end of the couch over the coffee table in front of it. And my daughter said she had never seen anyone jump so high and be so (laughs) crazy excited. I think we all, we all had that reaction. I don't know if you if uh, went back and watched a, a uh, replay of the of it right afterwards. I think we were kind of off the air to some degree, but um, if I would hear it or not. But the the uh, fa- the folks working for the team in the stadium that were in my booth were so crazy and jumping and pounding things that I think two or three times my computer like the, stopped or or you know reacted to getting bumped from stuff. I've never had. <laughs> happen at all so i'd have to go like restart and you know go with the new i was, you know, I was hearing a song playing and a celebratory sort of note and then it's gone and i'm like what just happened and it's like well the, the guys in front are banging on the on the uh the, the wall that backs up against my computer and it dislodged uh you know computer off i've that was uh there's never been anything like that that I oh, recall. That's so awesome. Anyone listening to this, even if you're not a sports fan, I'm gonna put a clip of that on the show notes page so you can just go watch that catch oh. because it's so amazing. <laughs> but you know, we're we're obviously fans, so sorry, Packers yes. fans listening, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or anyone else. Well, um, and, and, and just if, if we have one more second, I yeah. think something too about um, you know, is when you're talking about that fan experience and kind of distancing yourself trying to to be the fan but also do the job you know what were the odds of us coming back in that game with so little time left not very great but because it there was a chance I think in my role in playing songs and I remember even thinking about this you know with 20 seconds or whatever left before the play before it's like we could still win this we could still win this and I have to approach it from that and I think back of a game uh, back with Brett Favre in 2009, the, the Greg Lewis Hail Mary catch in the back of the end zone to beat the the 49ers. Like I, there was nothing to, to indicate that we were going to come back and score a touchdown and win that game. But I had to have a mindset uh, going into that in that that last series of play that it could still happen. I remember that game particularly. I just pulled out uh, Journeys Don't Stop Believing a little bit before it kind of was mixing it in uh, a bit and coming back to little threads of it as we were on the field. But I had to, I couldn't let my, a fan pessimism get in there. I had to have that fan optimism to be able to, to keep, to do my job well. Well, and isn't that so true in any realm, whether it's sports, whether it's work, whether it's home, how do you keep an optimistic mindset as opposed to letting energy suck you down? Because it's really easy in today's world where we're stressed, we're overloaded, our schedules are stretch to the max. We've got crazy stuff going on in the economy and politics and, you know, the world and the environment. It's pretty easy to spiral down when something happens. So having that optimistic mindset, I mean, that's why I do what I do is helping people shift their energy in the moment to a positive one instead of letting that negativity suck them down because it impacts your physical body, your thoughts, your relationships, your ability to innovate and be creative at work. You know, it's so important to have a 
a way to pull yourself out of that negativity spiral when it's happening into that optimistic mindset. So I'm really glad that you said uh, that because whether it's I sports or anywhere. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think most people would tell me I'm one of the more positive, optimistic people you meet. But dealing with a lot of stresses in life that I've had recently too, I just discovered mindfulness and meditation in the last year. And it has been, I mean, it has been a lifesaver. It is, I'm, I have been blown away with how helpful it has been for me to when I do have those negative thoughts, that negative energy to acknowledge and accept and just let it go and focus on what I can do. What I can do. And so, yeah. And you know, it's so funny because, you know, people hear meditation and yoga and acupuncture and some of those alternative energy therapies, because that's really what they are. It's ways to change your body, your brain mm -hmm. so that you can show up differently. And when I talk about those terms in corporate environments, so many people freak out. They're like, oh, it's soft skills. It's not relevant. And I always have to remind them that those soft skills directly impact oh. bottom line solid results. You have to have your mind in the right place or you're not going to be able to be productive at work. You're not going to be able to be a great leader. You're not going to be able to think creatively about anything. So, you know, having meditation as part of your routine is it's not soft it's not hippie no. it's not woo woo it's in, in fact there's skill. a lot of science behind it yes it's uh, proven you know, and, and and that's the interesting thing i think in my but in my, my day job in professional world of shifting from from a school to nursing school I mean, it's so well established here in in the world of nursing and, and uh it, it that was actually a lot of what led me to try the daily call map for the first time is because there's so many people that are that were already you know very much into mindfulness and meditation and seeing the benefits from themselves working with patients things like that and, so, and and there's so much science and it's more and more coming uh every day on the topic it's it's fascinating i, I uh, i'm sort of i'm embarrassed it took me this long to 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 become the convert and not recognize that there that there is that it's not stuff and that there's something really to it. Yeah, it's never too late. And I always tell no. my my listeners and people that follow me on social media that they know that I was in corporate for 15 years. I did market research. I have a science background. I don't do or trust or believe anything unless there's science behind it. And all of these things that so many people think are hippie or woo-woo are not. They're oh. scientifically proven and researched. And mm -hmm. so I really just encourage people, you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh, whatever, meditation, <laughs> to just open your minds because having an open mind is just like having an open mind when right. you're down in a sporting event is saying, okay, there's still a chance. This Minneapolis miracle yeah. could happen. And, and I love that, that you position it like that. And I think like anything too, you have to give it a chance, but you also have to stick with it for a while because, you know, whether it be a, a sport or anything that, you know, learning a musical instrument, it, there is some repetition and things that take time to build up that, you know, the elasticity within the brain, things like that. So um, I think if you, if we take anything and we try it once and say, you know, oh, it didn't do anything for me, we walk away, give it a little time. I think, I think people will find a different result. 100% agreed. So Steve, Rudy, Rudolph. I know we were laughing about this at the beginning. Some people call you Steve. Some people call yes. you Rudy. <laughs> so that's people, why I keep Some saying. people hear my be called Steve and wonder who they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve, Rudy, Rudolph. What is, I have two last questions for you. Sure. We're talking about music. Is there a song that you turn to 
if you know, and don't say welcome to the jungle or don't stop, believe it, something besides those are jock jams that you yourself personally turn to when you need to get in the moment, to focus, to charge up, whatever that energy shift is. Is there one song that you is your go-to? There is not. I do not have a walk-up song. Uh, I have thought about this long and hard. I, I tend to, to move. I, I guess if I was a Major League Baseball player, I'd be one of those guys that has like four different walk-up songs and men might even you know be requesting it certain ones be played at certain settings i'm you know but I, I tend to find if i do want that music whether it's working out at the gym or you know driving to a meeting or something like that I, i'm gonna maybe sometimes i might want something that's more up tempo sometimes i might want something that's you know like more of a dance fast beat sometimes i want something more of a you know hard rock metal type of edge sometimes i might want you know that classical calming thing so i I don't have that one go-to thing. I sort of read what, what is it that I need right now? Do I need to temper a little bit of energy, maybe a nervous energy within me? Or do I need that fast-paced something to get my heart rate going? And uh, so, so yeah, I, as, as somebody who's done this thing for someone, I, I can't pick one. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I have playlists as opposed oh, yes. to songs, yeah. you know, based I, on my mood. <laughs> that's what I, yeah, I have lots of different playlists in Spotify that I can hit depending on what I need. Yeah, best invention ever, playlist. Yes. So last thing, what is one piece of advice that you would give to someone, whether it's, you know, at a sporting event, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, that you would give to them to stay positive, to shift their energy if they're having just one of those days? Anything that you would recommend people do? keep going. I, you know, it's, <laughs> I think back to something that my dad, it's a phrase that my dad has said to me since we were, I was like the littlest kid. And he used to always talk about gains from serendipity. And he would always often say it when maybe I didn't want to go do something or I was reluctant to go to a new, try a new experience or this or that. And, and it was kind of, a, he says out of the belief that, you know, you never know what sort of serendipitous encounter you might uh, you might have from putting yourself in a new experience or pushing through something that you, you didn't maybe want to do or felt like you were too tired to do. And I think throughout my life, I've found that's true. So often when we put ourselves, um, allow ourselves to be in an uncomfortable spot or to push through something, we meet somebody we never would have met before. We learn something new. Uh, it's so easy to just walk away and go back to what, we're comfortable with. Uh, and so I think back to, I think my dad even said it like to me on the phone, like a week or so ago, I can't remember what the context was, but it was, you know, you, you just, when you put yourself out there, you keep going, you never know what you're going to encounter. And more often than not, it's going to be something remarkable. That's awesome. I love that so much. And that's a great way to end this show because we've talked about so many cool things. Rudy, is there anything last minute you want to say where if people want to hang out with you? Are you on LinkedIn? Where can they connect? You know, I, I am on LinkedIn. I I am on Twitter. I, I can't say that I'm the most prolific on, on any of my social media. And part of that is because of I'm very I have because of my work things, I'm doing a lot for the social media of others. So I mm -hmm. tend to let mine go a little bit. But if you're at a wild game, there you'll see many people um, will often tweet a song request to me uh, at, at SK Rudolph. Or uh, with the wild, we also have a great thing. If you use the hashtag wild tracks that we, uh, I'm always looking at that during games and playing songs that come off that. So that's kind of fun to, to, um, 
to be able to see what fans want and, and to, to give it to them right as we go. Super fun. I love that. I didn't know about that. Yep. That's a new thing. They, I think we added just uh, earlier this year, maybe it was the last. So it's awesome. Fun. Well, I'll put that in the show notes so people can be reminded of what that is. Otherwise, thank you so much for being here and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Kristen. Take care. Thank you so much for being here on the Energy Now podcast. If you loved the show, please share it with people that you know would love it as much as you. Give it a good review. It really helps to get the word out so that we can all raise our energy levels, be more positive leaders, and really show up as the best versions of ourselves. You can get everything you need at energynowpodcast.com. And thank you for spreading good energy now.